and welcome to Defropology, brought to you by Radio DePaul. Today, it is a solo episode featuring yours truly, Jeffrey. And by the time I am recording this, I would have had an awesome time at a hibachi restaurant and my stomach will have been full and happy. Also, by the time this episode is out, Defropology will have opened up a Tumblr account. So follow it at Defropology on Tumblr or D E A T H R O P O. L-O-G-Y. So as I mentioned earlier, this is a solo episode. Currently, Defropology, as I mentioned earlier, this is a solo episode currently as Defropology. We are recording three film reviews, and this is the second one. So the first part was Misha solo last week. Um, it was on a movie called Afterlife by Hirokazu Karaeda. However, this week I am doing the part two and I'm excited to bring you my analysis of Ari Aster's Midsommar. The first half hour of this will just be kind of made for Radio DePaul. So it's going to be a non-spoiler review and it's more of a general reaction and a more simplistic analysis, I would say. Um, there might be some light spoilers. I'm trying to avoid them as much as possible, but I do want to talk about the the Harga, which is the pain cult in this. So there might be some esque spoilers. So I would caution ahead if you're watching this. And later when I do the Spotify version, there will be heavy spoilers, which I will warn about before I start that. So yeah, so yeah, if you want to see the full version, check out our um, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you can listen to um, podcasts be streamed on. Next week, please look forward to our episode and review of the original 1954 Godzilla. So yeah, also, um, just so you guys know, this episode might be potentially triggering for some people because it's um, I'm reviewing a horror film, in particular like if you're. Um, for the first like half hour though it's not going to be like as bad so but there will be like discussions of violence um emotional abuse um discussions of mental health slash suicide and maybe some other icky topics so if you're an easily like if you're easily triggered or just uncomfortable with certain dark topics i might skip out on this episode for you but i, I don't think i'm gonna go too in depth for it's too bad but if it's something that really bothers you i might not listen to this episode now you may be wondering why i decided to choose this film and what is this film about if you have not seen it well i chose this movie as i genuinely believe it is the most disturbing horror film i've seen in a while it's very nuanced because of how bright and happy the film seems on the surface compared to the horrifying events and themes that are happening throughout the film i also believe that the audience's split reaction or how like a lot of people are seeing this film as a very feminist anthem. It's a generally worrisome and worthy of discussion. Also, like how people think the Harga is such like a bright and happy cult is kind of like, eh. So you may be wondering, what is this movie about? Well, this is the actual description from the movie. So it says, a couple traveled to Sweden to visit their friend's rural hometown for its fabled midsummer festival. What, what begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Now, um, it's not just a couple, though. There's also a couple other characters. So it's like about a group, I would say, of six outsiders come. Yeah, it's a group of six outsiders or who travel to Sweden. It's not just the couple. Um, Ari Aster who is the director, directed this film after recovering from a breakup. So the film revolves around the deteriorating relationship between the two main characters of Danny and Christian. And before I go into my thoughts, if you are interested in watching this film, the only streaming service that I know has this is Showtime. So maybe you want to check it out there. So my overall thoughts of the film in general. Um, I had to watch this film several times in order to make this video, and I enjoyed it on every single viewing. It's one of those films that there's a lot of things you can catch 
the no i'm sorry there's a lot of things you would not catch on a first viewing so you like learn more every time you watch is the vibe i got from rewatching. there were a lot of easter eggs symbolism and foreshadowing in the film that is not something you would pay attention to on a first watch so it gives the film a watchability i don't think a lot of horror films have unless it's like a slasher so like i said before one of the themes of the film is it's essentially a breakup film so the film centers around the strained relationship between danny and christian and at the very beginning of the film i don't consider this a he- like a big spoiler at all because it happens within like the first 20 minutes so at the very beginning of the film, Danny's sister commits a murder-suicide using carbon monoxide poisoning to kill herself as well as Danny's parents. Now all Danny has left is her boyfriend Christian. She has like no immediate family or support system because unfortunately Christian had been, before this happened, he had been planning to break up with Danny and he no longer wanted to be in a relationship with her. So now he feels that he's stuck with her because he doesn't want to seem as like the bad guy for breaking up with someone who just lost their parents. So it puts him in an extremely awkward and emotionally distant relationship. So you have Danny who's clinging on to Christian because that's all she has left of her old life. Meanwhile, Christian is both emotionally abusive and distant to Danny. Another theme I wanted to touch on that I noticed in the film was depression and mental health. Since Danny is grieving throughout the film, there are scenes where she's either having hallucinations or nightmares about her family. So like she's often crying or mourning her family and also mourning the two the deterioration of her relationship with Christian. This is alongside her increasing isolation from her boyfriend and his friends because they don't, they didn't really want her to be on the trip. So it's kind of like a whole thing because um, Christian and his friends, Josh and Mark are all anthropology students. So they all kind of came on this trip to investigate their friend Pele, who is from this Swedish commune or cult. They wanted to see its way of customs because this festival, uh, while it happens every year for the, the to crown the may queen only every 90 years just something very special quote-unquote happens so um yeah no no I, I think the may queen event happens every year but not the actual festival i think the festival just happens every 90 years so another theme i noted is how isolation or emotional uh, vulnerability leaves someone more open to be manipulated or indoctrinated into the into a cult so in this film we are introduced to the harga who are a pagan swedish cult this and um throughout the film we see them being very quote-unquote open warm and friendly however the group they have invited do not realize that they have sinister intentions as well so i think the film did a really good job at showing how cults lure in people through love bombing if you guys don't know what love bombing is it is the action or practice of lavishing someone with attention or affection especially in order to influence or manipulate them now this, as you can see with our main character, Danny, who is emotionally vulnerable and in a place where she needs empathy because she's not getting that from her boyfriend. These, this leaves her, I would say, as the most susceptible character to the cults throughout the film. I also want to briefly touch on the very, like, there's a theme of racism in the movie, but it's not, like, very directly stated. And I think you would not note it on a first viewing, but... So, like I said, the Harga is a Swedish cult. The cult is made up of completely white people and... The area they live in has Swedish signs that's saying keep foreigners out. And there's hints of like Nazi symbolism. And there's also like, like um, the, one of the characters, Mark, who is one of Christian's friends, who is one of the anthropology students. He has a book on his coffee table that talks about um, like the Nazi beliefs of the Harga or the Nazi beliefs of this like certain Swedish place they're in. So that's interesting. I also think that 
in the film, we have a, um, well, actually, we're at our break time. So I know we're only like eight minutes in, but we're going to take a break and I'm going to come back with more of my, just like my general, well, actually, no, no, no. We're just going to do the characters. So speaking of the characters of the film, so we have, I'm going to touch on seven of the characters. So the first character I want to touch on is Danny. So the film revolves around Danny's transformation and her grief slash mourning process. So Danny is emotionally vulnerable and stuck in this unfulfilling relationship. And throughout the film, Danny's at odds between Christian and the cult, as Christian is all she has left of her old life, while the cult is manipulating and love-bombing her with affection and giving her the empathy she so desperately wants and craves. And the actress who plays Danny, Florence Pugh, did an amazing job in the role, like, of her screams and cries, and she just did, I think she's going to have an illustrious career in the future because she did an excellent job in this film. So on the most contentious character, I would say, on the cast, we have Christian. So while a lot of people purely hate Christian and they don't blame them, I often think they don't give him a fair analysis of the movie because they just taken this as a feminist anthem and a lot of bad things happen to christian that not a lot of people acknowledge i think in the film so and i'm not going to go too in depth about that because those are spoilers but i'm gonna give like light reasons why i don't think christian deserves all the hate even though he deserves a lot of it so it is stated that christian is distant because he had wanted to break up with danny before her family had died and now he feels trapped in relationship if he leaves he looks like the bad guy he also throughout the movie he does stick up for danny at points but it does pale in comparison to how crappy and dismiss the dismissive attitude he has towards her and how much of a jerk he can be with his friends. So I don't blame anyone for hating Christian, but I do want to give some love to um, the actor who plays Christian in the movie because I really liked how committed he was to the role in particular because, yeah, so sorry, the actor was Jack Rayner. So in the movie, there's like a very explicit scene. I'm not going to go into in depth, but like if you guys know anything about horror movies, it's often women who are in like these states of undressed where they're like vulnerable. In this film, the actor of Jack Rayner committed to doing that for the male character because of how often women are portrayed in like that vulnerable position. So I thought that was pretty cool of him to do. So the next character I want to touch on is one of Christian's friends, Josh, and one of the anthropology students. I think Josh is interesting because I see him as the opposite of the joke that is centered around POC people in horror. So a lot of the internet jokes is a lot of POC would not find themselves in these situations because they would just run in the opposite direction of danger. But Josh is the exact opposite. He is the most curious out of the group and he's the one who wants to investigate the Harga the most and he wants to learn about all their customs. He's done the most research about them before they've gotten there. So I think it's interesting how like involved he is. So I think he's like, Sorry for that. Um, I think he's an overall fresh take compared to the usual way that um, Black characters are often portrayed in horror. So I think he, I do think he was a breath of fresh air for the most part. Next character I want to touch on is Mark. So I would describe Mark as kind of like the fratty douche. Um, while he's not a great person and he only came to the trip to like sleep around, he's genuinely the funniest character <laughs> And it's either because you're laughing with him or at him. Also, I think just Will Poulter, the actor, did a really, un- like, he has an underrated job in this because he does such a good role of doing this character and having great comedic timing. So next, I want to touch on Connie and Simon. So they're not as big as the other members of the group of six that are brought into the Harga cult or into the commune, but Connie and Simon are basically this engaged British couple who are both also two fellow POC. Um, Connie, I think, is Indian or Southeast Asian, and I think Simon is biracial, like half black, half white. 
just based off their characteristics and the vibe I got. Um, to me, this couple was me during the film. They <laughs> they were ready to leave as soon as it got weird, which I didn't blame them. They were kind of the most, sh- like when bad stuff started happening, they had like the most visceral reaction out of any of the characters. I also thought they were just a pretty cute couple overall. Then there's Pele. So Pele is the one, is the friend that... Um, Christian, Josh, Mark have that tells them about the commune because he is he was born in from this cult. He is Swedish. Pelle is the one who brings them to the festival because he knows they're doing a, um they're doing research for their anthropology and he knows that Josh is planning to do his thesis on the commune he's told them about and he's bringing them to celebrate the festival. So maybe it's just me, but I always had off vibes from Pele from the beginning to the end of the film. He reminded me of like Peter Pan and like it always felt like he knew more than he let on. And I felt unsettled whenever he, I felt very unsettled whenever he was on screen. <laughs> also, the way he was like all up on Danny throughout the film gave me like mad uncomfy vibes, but that could just be me. So awesome. While we're here, I kind of want to touch a bit. Oh, now it's an ad break time. So first, you're going to first for the ad break. You are going to be listening to "Shake It Out" by Florence Plush Machine, and then you're going to get a quick ad. When we come back, I'm going to discussion. I'm going to be discussing the Harga beliefs and some other things I noticed about the film. Maybe some fun facts. So stay tuned. Hi guys, and now we're back. So now we're going to be talking about some of the beliefs of the Harga or the cult in this movie. So. One of the things in this Midsummer Festival they do is they crown the May Queen, which is a tradition outside of the Harga. It's an actual tradition, some people, but... So, the ritual here is they every year they, they elect a new May Queen, who... It's either a woman in the cult, or it's one of the potential new recruits. They, they basically... They hold a dance till there's one person left standing, so whoever the woman is, they get crowned in the May Queen. One of the dark parts about this movie, which this is a spoiler warning just for this section, if you want to skip, skip, like... 30 seconds ahead so every 90 years um also in the midsummer festival at the at the end there's every 90 years there are nine sacrifices that are made to represent the nine days of celebration of the midsummer so even four outside so it's four outsiders four harga members and then a choice of the may queen so like she gets to pick another interesting thing is there's this mention in the um movie of like the, the dark one who is i would say from what I've gathered is the devil. So there is a leg- there's a Harga legend that basically goes, I can find it. One second. So this is a translated from Swedish Harga legend. It's called the Harga the Harga Dessen. And um the version this is translated from Swedish, so this may not be perfect, but it says one Saturday evening when the youth of the village should not even interrupt their dizzying dance at the break of the Sabbath, a stranger came to the guild took the lead of the dance and finally suggested a sling dance or slinker. The dance began. The stranger who was none other than was none other than the lead himself, the lead or the devil, was the first man in the chain, and then the young followed hand in hand. Like a whirlwind it carried through all the rooms from yard to yard, in through doors and out through windows. No one was able to tear himself free, and a servant who in despair cut his folding knife into a doorpost to hold on had his whole arm torn off. Increasingly, the dance went over fields and meadows up to the tip of the Harga Burgettes, and then it continued not only until life fled from the dancers, but until their legs were torn. Yes, the schools then continued to jump until they too were consumed. So that's kind of like the legend that inspired the the dance into this film. Um, and I'm pretty sure the stranger in this was actually supposed to be representing the devil himself. 
And he, I think it's also interesting that he's like the fiddler, which I also think is interesting. So the next thing I want to uh, touch on is, so there is like, um, they do touch on incest in the film. So in the film also, so like the Harker relationship mating is very selective. Basically, the, there's a group of elders who kind of look over everything. And there's like a head elder who's this, um, who's a old, like a very older woman. They basically decide who is allowed to mate or be with who. And it, well, I would say it's egalitarian, like men and women are treated equally. Everyone has like harsh punishments for not following tradition. So everyone has to be approved of who they be with. Um, and they, there is practice ritualized incest in the Harga because... They believe that um, by having the, to have an oracle who writes in the, they have a sacred text called the Ruby Radar, and it like basically explains like the the potential beliefs of the Harga. So the oracle has to be born, and he has to be. They believe that making him heavily disabled through practices of incest gives him like the grant of foresight. So they practice that to make the new oracle. However, to stop. Um, incest from happening outside of oracle making they bring in new outsiders to like add into the gene pool which i think is a bit like strange and weird um yeah so that's kind of like basics of like kind of like the harga way of life i would say also also they all share pain so like if one person is going through like a certain emotion then they're like all going through that emotion as well and they all like suffer together they all feel together they all feel happiness or love or you know anything like that together oh another practice they do that i forgot to mention was there is um another practice that i forgot to mention is there is technically like um there's a thing called in um like old europe called adesupa or senicide so basically the elders once they of the harga once they reach 72 they all voluntarily like take their own lives for like cliff jumping so that that they no longer have to be taken care of and that they can um, give their names to the next generation. So that's like another practice they do. One thing I thought was interesting about the film is, all right, so we're at the point where heavy spoilers, heavy spoilers now, heavy, heavy, heavy spoilers. Okay, so now I kind of want to touch on like other aspects of the film I did not really touch on earlier. So the first thing I kind of want to touch on is... One second. So I kind of want to look more into like the Harga, if maybe um, if they're racist or, you know, the eugenic side of the Harga potentially. So like I said, they have to bring in people for the cult. So as I said, there's um, the, out of the main characters, half of them are POC. Half of them are white. So Mark, Christian, and Danny are white. And then Josh, Connie, and Simon are POC. If, um, I noticed in the film that the only three people that were chosen to be t t potential mates or bring in genetic variety were the three white characters, while the three POC were kind of treated as to more be of one of the nine sacrifices. So it gave like very Aryan vibes. <laughs> and there was a Reddit post that really kind of goes into depth about this. Like he kind of broke down um, like this theory. So... There is a Reddit post by, where's his name? So I'm trying to find like the Reddit author's name. Yeah, so a Reddit poster named Yulkak47 posted um, this post that says, the Harga are not ancient. They are founded by a Swedish, Swedish fascist in the early 20th century. So going into this, it, um, 
one of his points is the runes. So I'm going to read some of the posts and all of it because it's kind of long, but it says, when the outsiders first survived the commune, Pele, who's the native, takes them by an old rune stone held sacred by the community. One of the group, Josh, makes a point of asking whether the runes are young Fuark or medieval. I'm sorry for this mispronunciation. I'm not Swedish. Pele says they are, they are in fact elder Fuark, a fact that surprises Josh. Indeed, all the runes shown in the movie are incorporated in the Har- Har- Harga's Iconogra- iconography and their writing or their clothing etc are elder through arc for example their dining table is arranged into the shape of the old rune which is only found in elder through arc and was phased out of use around 700 ce so why is this suspicious see the thing about runes is that like writing the active use, um, like all forms of writing and active use over long periods, they evolve over time. Elgiforic, which was around from 200 to 700 CE, was in use throughout Central Northern Europe during the migration period, and scholars think that it was probably derived in part from ancient Italic alphabets like Etruscan. Elgiforic then became simplified into younger Fuark during the Viking period. And then the introduction of Christianity to Scandinavia, the runic alphabet began to be influenced by the clerical latin so they evolved into medieval fork having a community in sweden that has been continuously using elder fork is like having a community in modern iraq that has been continuously using queen form they both out they both felt so long ago that they forgot so long ago that we forgot to read them until the mid 1800s when they were both reconstructed by theologist so why is this important well what is more likely happened is that these ancient traditions of the harga are no longer than are no older, they are no older than 1865 when Elder Fork was deciphered by Sophus Buggy and is probably much more recent. This is significant because it was a large part of the revival in the interest for Nordic Germanic paganism in Fuark in the late 19th century that led to the development of proto Nazi pseudo history and occultism. Appropriating and reviving Old Norse or Germanic paganism was important to Nazism and proto-Nazism because anti-Semites finally con to the fact that Christianity actually does in fact have quite a lot of Jewish influence. This is why you see that um, there's like bastardization of old runes and Nazi uniforms and stuff like that, which I think is very interesting. So his next part about his post goes into like the eugenic aspects of the film. So, wrapped up in all the flower waves and love potions is what must be a very tightly controlled breeding program. So, like I said, they tell of the disabled child that was inbred into existence every generation so they can add to the sacred text because they are made to be the oracle. First of all, while I'm sure they have some understanding that inbreeding makes people unhealthy, there is no way that the migration era Swedes understood genetics to the extent that they could create severely disabled people, like the child seen in the movie. So... There's also similarity with the Harga and like the Nazis and the fact that the senicide or the Atestupa of the elders who decided to jump off the cliff in the movie, it represents like the euthanasia of certain um, different people that the Nazis saw as unfit. So there's that similarity. And then, as I mentioned, the free POC, the free white, like how that happened, they also added that. So like he also adds that, but I do, I would perturb- I would in turn point out that throughout the first act of the movie before the clinic starts, Christian, Danny, and Mark, the three white outsiders, are being either enticed sexually or emotionally on all sides. Meanwhile, no one ever brews a love potion for Simon, no one makes googly googly eyes at Josh, or no one tries to hold space for whatever problems Connie is going through. It is clear that the three POC were always brought along with the intention of being sacrificed without without contributing to the Harga gene pool. 
So third, the timing. Well, actually, I'm not going to... Yeah, so because there's a 90-year between the festival, if it happened in 2018, like the film was released, then that means the, the previous festival where sacrifices happened happened in 1928, which is two years after Sweden's first official fascist political party, the S- FKO, was founded. It's worth noting that although Sweden was neutral in World War II, there was a sizable group of Nazi sympathizers in the country, and some of the founding members of Sweden's modern firework party were former Nazis. Maybe it's a, it's a, maybe it's a coincidence that a murderous death cult, appropriating ancient Nordic religion, is founded around the same time that a strain of murderous fascist politics, appropriating ancient Nordic religion, was also on the rise in Europe. Maybe it's not, which I think is a very interesting point that this uh, whole reddit user makes um but overall i also kind of just wanted to um add now the last thing i want to touch on before i go is just the ending and how audiences received it so at the end of the movie um oh i also i'm going to quickly go over like the different depths um so some people think that the depths also represented the elements so the water is represented with how uh with how connie dies connie is drowned um and then we have uh simon is put in a horrible like um blood eagle tortured where he's like hung a certain way i don't want to get into too graphic but that represents air then um josh is buried into the ground after he's killed so that represents earth and then because of the ire and because of he's stuffed with straw after he's dead to burn quicker um mark is supposed to represent fire is that's like there's like four element symbolism there and then also, um, I think it's interesting that, so Peleus of Revenant Ingimar, who's the one who brought uh, Connie and Simon to the cult. But Ingimar decides to sacrifice himself as one of the cult members in the end. And people were wondering why Pele didn't. And it's believed that because Pele brought in someone who would stay in the cult was not sacrificed, that he was now a hero. Well, Ingimar's two people were not added in, so he was not seen as that potentially. So now I want to touch on is the ending feminist and are the heart. Why do so many people seem to like the Harga? Um, so because at the end of the movie, Danny decides to, because she's pronounced the making, she is now made to sacrifice either a member of the Harga people or her boyfriend, Christian. She decides because there's a scene in the movie where it looks like um, she perceives that Christian is cheating on her, which he is not, but I'm not going to go too in depth into that right now. She decides to sacrifice Christian, and Christian is burned. Um, a lot of the symmetry here is that, oh, it's feminist, because she is letting go of her past. She's getting rid of her emotionally abusive boyfriend. She's found empathy. She's joining a new family. Danny's living her best life. And I don't think people realize that Danny has now just been indoctrinated into a cult, where they plan on using her, using her as like breeding stock genetic material. I don't I don't know if like a lot of people are thinking that through that a lot of this movie is Danny is now in a worse position than when I would say than she came in. Also, I think a lot of people don't realize how racist or like eugenical the Harga is. So they, they all make a lot of excuses because the Harga are all like feeling the pain together. The Harga are all dancing. The Harga are wearing fancy clothes and giving flowers. And people aren't realizing that all the pain Danny and these other people go through is because of the Harga. All of Danny's pain that they love bomb her with to make her feel better is the pain they have caused because they have led her here to here 
to potentially be a sacrifice or become the Bee Queen. It seems like from the very beginning of this film, Kelly has orchestrated the events so that Danny would become the Bee Queen. My rant is over. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I know there were some heavy topics, so we'll see how you guys liked this. Um, thank you for watching. It's always nervous, like nerve-wracking during the solo episode. Maybe that's just me, but I'm used to having like Nisha to bounce ideas off on, so... Make sure you check our socials at Afropology, D-E-A-T-H-R-L-P-O-L-O-G-Y on Instagram. It's the same at our Gmail. Feel free to email us any questions you may have. Feel free to DM us on Instagram, I guess. Remember, we have a Tumblr now at Afropology, D-E-A-T-H-R-O-P-O-L-O-G-Y. Um, yeah, so thank you for listening. Check out next week for our King Kong episode. We hope you enjoy it. We really, en- we really enjoyed recording that. So talk to you guys soon. Bye.